0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining us again today. Listen, I want to encourage your hearts again with something from God's Word, and I want to encourage you around something pertaining to our worship, how we are to worship the Lord, whether that's with our singing, or with our serving, or with our giving. It's always really important that whenever we give anything to the Lord, that it's coming from a heart that doesn't feel manipulated, but rather a heart that says, God, I want to love on you, honor you, and bless you with everything that I am. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. And I'm going to start reading about a moment called the anointing at Bethany. And this is that moment of a lady and an alabaster jar. But I want to encourage your hearts with this today, because within it, I see such a great lesson for how our hearts should be when it comes to worshipping Jesus. It says in verse 6, While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on him um, as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant, Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at such a high price. The money could have been given to take care of the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor, you're going to have with you always, but you will not always have me. When she poured the perfume on my body, She did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I love this passage of scripture. There's other places in the gospel that speaks of somebody anointing Jesus' feet with oil. There's other places that speak of um, moments of Jesus being anointed. This one really speaks of the moments before he's taken arrested and crucified these are moments before this is the end of the book of Matthew now Jesus was walking with a consciousness of his death and his burial but some of the disciples weren't they didn't really believe what he'd said when he said oh they're going to take me i'm going to die 3 days later i'm going to rise from the dead but it's like the heavenly father stirred the heart of his woman to come and do what maybe they should be doing but weren't doing, and anoint the life of Jesus for this moment that he was stepping into. But I want you to picture this moment with me. I want to make this moment more animated for you today. Because when I read this moment, it was a passionate moment of a person giving from the core of who they were. Like I said, whenever we have an opportunity to give to God, whether that's our worship, our serving or our giving it should never come from a manipulated heart but from a heart that's full of gratitude and thanksgiving so you've got this moment <clears throat> where Jesus is at the house of Simon the leper and they're sitting around this is moments before the button is going to be pressed on his death burial and resurrection they're eating he's spending time with them and all of a sudden the door bursts open and in comes this woman unapologetic not looking for permission she pushes through no one can stop her and in her hand she's got this alabaster jar that was like a, a marble like jar that contained precious ointment perfume something of great worth she pushes through not looking for permission she comes to Jesus and she anoints him pours this precious perfume upon him and he sits there and watches all of a sudden the disciples begin to just get bad attitudes some of them begin to stand around and say what's she doing what's she doing to our Jesus she wasn't invited but Jesus didn't listen to what they were saying others began to get bent out of shape this money do you know how much that's worth Jesus that woman has just cracked open an alabaster jar and what she's poured on your feet some would say was equivalent to a year's wages Jesus this could have been sold to take care of the poor why are you letting her do that look at the response of Jesus the poor You'll have with you always. He said, Don't use this poor woman to justify something that's an ongoing need. You should always have the poor in your heart. But what this woman has done, I don't think you understand. But God has sent her to do something very special, with something very costly, that will be remembered every time anyone hears the Gospels. So he kind of rebuked them. I think this was the moment when Judas. This was a moment of the straw that broke the camel's back because moments later, the next statement, the next sentence speaks of Judas leaving the room and making a deal for money. It's funny, he'd been offended by what somebody was doing with resource, but then he went out and traded Jesus for money. But this was the moment where Judas as the keeper of the purse, the treasurer, couldn't take any more. And he went and sold Jesus out for a few coins let's look at this woman because she's the key figure that I want to look at today you've got Jesus in the room you've got Simon Leper who owned the property you've got the disciples that are sitting around they're judging they're mocking they're not understanding what's happening but then you've got this precious woman we don't know much about her we haven't got a name We don't know who she was. All we know is that she must have been extremely thankful for something that had happened in her life when she'd encountered Jesus. Let's look at what she brought this alabaster jar. Like I said, some people have said that it was often up to a year's wages that was in the ointment in that jar. How did she get it? Was it her savings? Was it a year's wages that she'd saved up? Was it an inheritance? Had her parents died and left her that? We don't really know because the Bible doesn't reveal where the alabaster jar of ointment or perfume came from. But it does reveal it was very costly. And it was probably the most important special thing that she had in her world. Now within that I believe we see the purpose of our heart Jesus had touched her life in a way that had brought wholeness made her alive again I don't know what Jesus had done but he'd done something significant in this woman's life she's sitting at home I've got to love on Jesus I've got to worship Jesus I have an urgency I believe that urgency was being prompted by the holy spirit because this moment of death burial was coming around the corner any moment and all of a sudden she said i've got to go and love on him and she looks around and the only thing of worth in her life is this alabaster jar she grabs it and she makes her way where's jesus where's jesus where's jesus somebody tells her he's in the upper room she comes to the front door bursts through cracks it open anoints him the smell of the perfume gets over him it gets on her it fills the room and in the midst of disciples judging this moment wrongly Jesus smiles at her because he sees that she's worshipping him from the center of who she is to me Something I wrote down in my journal that amplifies this moment was really whatever it was, the cost of whatever it was, was her statement of the worth of Jesus to her life. You see, what had ever happened in that moment of encounter with Jesus had suddenly made everything else in her world second place. Maybe before she encountered Jesus, That alabaster jar was everything she boasted in. That alabaster jar was her security for tomorrow. That alabaster jar was her treasure. But suddenly when she met Jesus, this treasure took second place and became something that she could worship Jesus with. So whatever it was, whatever it was worth, to her, it was just simply a statement That could define the worth of who Jesus was in her life it's interesting isn't it that in Matthew 6 verse 21 Jesus made this statement wherever your treasure is that's where your heart will be also it's true isn't it that if you want to locate where a person's heart is you look where they're investing the treasure of their life into for this woman her heart had been stirred by jesus but the treasure that was once everything in her life was now secondary it was something that she could use to worship the one she loved from the heart of who she was she was simply demonstrating physically what was happening inside of her she must have been walking around her home that morning I've got to worship the Lord. I've got to worship Jesus in a way he deserves. I've got to worship Jesus with the best of who I am. What is the best of who I am? That ointment, that perfume, it once meant so much to me. But now it's something that I can use to express my heart for him. It's interesting. Where is our treasure? What is our treasure? These are good questions, aren't they? what would we gladly spill at the feet of Jesus in worship? Another way that Jesus puts this, when he's speaking about his kingdom, says the same kind of thing. He speaks of a man who's on a pursuit of a pearl of great worth. And it speaks of this man and it says, one day this man finds the pearl of great worth. And when he found this pearl of great worth he immediately buried it hid it and went and sold everything else that he would be able to fully possess this one thing now until the moment this man found the pearl of great worth all the other pearls seemed really important really valuable really expensive but the moment He found the pearl of great worth. Everything that was once great treasure became second place. I believe that this is how we should view our relationship with the Lord. Remember, in the Old Testament and in the New, we're told that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength. Not that we can't love other things and other people, But he is worthy and deserves the first of our love or the best of our love. He deserves the other things in our world that we consider treasure or valuable. He deserves for us to be able to, like this woman that we read about, take these other things and gladly spill them at his feet. He deserves to be King of Kings, Lord of Lords, The greatest thing in our world high above any other so I want to leave you with this picture today because I believe that this is a beautiful picture of worship it speaks to me of worship where sometimes if you're in and around church life you forget the why to the what that you're doing when we have an opportunity to bring our worship to him Are we just going through the motions or are we like this woman being in the very best, breaking the jar of who we are, not caring who's watching or who's around us, but living in a way to always bring in the best of our worship. Let's talk about our money when it comes to bringing our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. Do we do that begrudgingly? with a heart that honestly thinks he doesn't deserve it is it a labor is are you doing it because somebody said to you ah in Malachi it says bring all your tithes to the storehouse are you doing it because you feel manipulated by God or man to some degree but I want to say to you none of that is good enough we need to always have hearts when it comes to bringing our tithes our offerings our service to the Lord that says, God, this is my joy to be able to bring this to you, anoint you with this, lay this at your feet. I'm not feeling my arm twisted behind my back. I'm not feeling manipulated by man. I had a choice and my choice is to honor you and worship you with the very best of what I've got, not what's left at the end. You know, sometimes when you're speaking to people and you speak about tithes and offerings, sometimes when they're speaking to you, it sounds like, well, I'm going to pay this and I'm going to pay that. I'm going to pay this and then I'm going to pay that. And if there's anything at the end, I'll give that to God. My friends, that's a wrong way of thinking. We should always put God first. First. It's like if you went to the butcher and you were wanting a nice bit of steak, the first cut of steak, sorry to any vegetarians that are watching, but you wanted that cut of steak. But when you got to the butcher's, he said, oh, it's been a busy day. I've got this straggly bit at the end. You're welcome to that. You would kind of look at it and say, I didn't come for a straggly bit of what's left at the end. I came for that best cut. I believe that when it comes to our finances, when it comes to time, when it comes to anything that would be comparable to valuable or treasure in our life, we should always have an attitude, a hard attitude. God, I will not give you what's left. I want to give you what's best. You know, we see this in the life of King David. There's an account in the Old Testament where David is winning wars and he goes to this area and he wants to sacrifice something to God just out of thanksgiving for all that God had been to him and done to him up to this point in his life. And the person who owned the property saw David coming and he comes to David and he wants to get in David's good books. And he says to King David, pick any bit of land. I'll give you any area you want you haven't got to pay me anything. Let me give you this as a favour. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you would expect David to see a good deal, a bargain, and say, oh, thank you very much. Very kind of you. But yet David doesn't do that because he carried the same heart of his woman that would come many, many years later. He turns to the person who owns the land and he says, listen, I will not offer God Something that costs me nothing. I love that about the heart of King David. that he said, I don't want bargain basement when it comes to my God. I don't want to give him some cheap aftershave somebody gave me for Christmas five years ago, that I'm never going to use. I want to always be found, bring in the best of who I am, the treasure of who I am the best of my time, the best of my giving to the feet of the one who deserves it the most. I really believe with an attitude, a hard attitude with that like that, you'll never go too far wrong with God. So when we look at this story, are we going to identify with the disciples? Well, they were only talking wisdom. They were talking budgets Are we going to identify with the heart of Judas that cared more about the money or the wealth of the perfume that was being used than the purpose of worship that was happening? Or will we identify with this young lady? We don't know who she was. We don't know what her name was, but we can identify with her heart that whatever had happened in this woman's life when she'd encountered Jesus suddenly elevated Jesus to the number one spot in her life where suddenly, yeah, the alabaster jar it's worth a fortune it's equivalent to a year's wages that makes it a perfect opportunity to have something to worship my Jesus with I hope this has encouraged your heart today like i've been saying over and over again the last few weeks we are in a kairos moment we're in a moment where we need to be lifting our faith to what god is doing and what he's saying We're in a moment where we need to be walking in obedience to the things he's saying to us. If the Lord asks us to do something, even if it's something that doesn't make sense, we have hearts set on walking in obedience. We have hearts that are living in a moment of expectation, not just for what God is doing on the earth as he's moving in a fresh way by his spirit, but by what he wants to do in our lives next. But let's also make sure we're not a people that are forgetting what he's already done. Let's not be a people that are kneeling before the Lord saying, what's next? What's next? And not doing what we should do. And that is remembering all of the incredible things he's already done. He's already saved us. He's already set us free. He's already given us a purpose for living. He's already removed fears that bound us. He's already broken addictions that controlled us. He's already loved us when we were unlovable. He's already restored us when we were broken. Never forget, it's good to look back sometimes. And as the old-time Pentecostals used to sing, to count your blessings, name them one by one. Then you will remember what the Lord has done. We shouldn't be motivated to bring God costly worship by what he's going to do next, but rather by what he's already done for us, the riches of his blessings he's already poured upon us. I pray today that this message encourages you. It's not wrong to have treasure in your life and other things of great worth, but just make sure that he comes first. Some things in our life that we may consider treasure are actually really good things to worship him with. Let's not have the heart of a judgmental disciple, a betraying disciple in Judas, but let's all carry the heart of this precious woman who got recorded in Scripture for all time because of her act of worship. A woman not driven by manipulation, not driven by greed not driven by the fear of man but was driven from a simple heart love that she had for Jesus a love that caused her to overcome any fear to burst in a room to crack open a marble jar an alabaster jar and anoint the feet of the one she loved let's be inspired by this woman today in our giving in our worship and in our serving. Hope this has encouraged you. The Lord bless you. I'll see you next week.